0: You are listening to Eat, Sleep, Create, episode number five. Today, I get to interview Jenny Williams of Carrot Top Paper Shop, an Etsy shop dedicated to bringing literary heroines into your home through colorful illustrations, bookmarks, tote bags, and more. I am so excited for you to hear Jenny's amazing story. So without further ado, let's get into it. Thank you so much for letting me interview you here today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Okay. So you have what I think is a super interesting story um, from how you got from college to like where you're at now. And I really want everyone to know it, and I'm not going to try to tell it because I don't know all the ins and outs. So can you tell everyone what your journey like from college um, all the way to starting Carrot Top uh, Paper Shop has looked like?
1: Sure. I'll do my best. It's a random, wild journey, but yeah. (laughs) Um, So... I don't even know where should I start? So in college, um, I majored in history and no, let me preface this preface this all by saying when I was younger I was always a creative person. Um, I ran a library out of my bedroom for my friends, and uh, so also kind of a nerd. Not anyway. Um, And I also like wrote a magazine for my friends that I would like send out. Like use my dad's Xerox machine to make like twelve copies and send to my twelve friends that accepted my (laughs) newsletter. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I just grew up. I had three siblings, and we lived out in. the country. And um, I always knew that I wanted to do something creative when I grew up, but I never knew exactly what that would look like. So that being said... I went off to college and majored in history, um, which I know isn't anything creative, but I just had a passion for it. And my parents told me to do what I loved and everything would work out. So I trusted them (laughs) and um, got into politics a little bit on campus. Um, I was the president of a I won't say which one, but it was one of the political parties, <laughs> um, campus club. Uh, I'm laughing now and it's just funny cause it was fun at the time and it was something that I was passionate about, but, um, it was not my life calling. So, I, so that's how I kind of got started in the political world. And I, visited Washington DC in college a few times and just felt like I really wanted to live there one day and it's an awesome city and um yeah so I let's see I interviewed for a job while I was still living in Oklahoma um and I did a video interview um, to join a political staff on Capitol Hill. And I got the job and had to make the decision if I wanted to buy a one-way ticket and move away from home for the first time in my life outside of college. But, um, it was a really, it was a tough decision, even though I knew that I wanted to live in Washington, DC, um, just when somebody actually says, okay, you can do it. Like you really have to decide. And, Mm -hmm. um, I decided to go for it. And that's how my political career started. <laughs> so <laughs> I worked for a senator um, for a couple of years, and it was a really awesome learning experience. I had a ton of fun, especially in the beginning. Um, toward the end, this is like a whole nother podcast episode, but mm-hmm. um, it got, I don't know, the office environment was just got a little strange and um also, the role that I was in was not ideal for me, and I knew that it wasn't my lifelong job, my lifelong career. So I had to kind of make a choice, and ended up, the choice was made for me because that month, the senator uh, let go four people, and I was one of them. Oh, So yeah, um, in hindsight, it was actually a really good thing. At the time, it was discouraging and, um, kind of left me in a really terrible position because I didn't have anything lined up from there, um, and had to figure out what the next step was. So I, um, long story short, I got another interview in uh, the corporate world, very quickly after that, actually, just because of someone we knew um, that had a connection and um, got a job working in a corporate environment in a like a high-end retirement home just outside of D.C. So, like, couldn't be any more different than, <laughs> yeah. than Capitol Hill. <laughs> um, did that for a couple of years and. Now I'm an illustrator, so fill in the blanks now. <laughs> I'm trying to see. So, how that happened, I feel like there are a lot of blanks I need to fill in here. Um, so, while I was in, working in the Senate, I started blogging and um, blogging just a little bit more seriously. I guess I've always been a writer of some kind. And um, so, my job in the Senate was to write letters. In the name of the senator, so I was kind of a ghostwriter mm-hmm. um, for all of his constituent mail. So I was—I got really tired of writing in somebody else's voice and having three other people approve whatever I wrote before anybody mm-hmm. before the public could read it. So that really spurred me um, to start a blog where I could define my own voice and I could hit that publish button <laughs> and not worry about yeah. people telling me whether or not mm-hmm. I could. Um, so, uh, yeah, I started blogging and I knew that I, I just kind of rekindled that urge to do something creative and, um, I didn't know what I wanted to write about. That was kind of a frustrating period for my creativity because I, I I knew I I liked what I was doing, but there was no real focus to what Mm -hmm. I was doing. Um, so It was my creative outlet, but again, um, no real direction or idea of what I wanted to do with that. Um, But it helped me stay sane, so that was important. Um, And then, yeah, so I guess the big change came when my husband and I decided to move From DC, we both were pretty miserable in Mm -hmm. our jobs. My job wasn't horrible, but um, it wasn't, I had no passion for it. And my husband worked in IT and it was a 24 7 kind of deal. And his commute was horrible and it's super expensive to live there. And we just knew that we needed a change. So we literally talked about like picking up and moving like to Europe or like, we just like felt like we wanted to run away. Like mm-hmm. where did we go? Like New York city, anywhere. Um, and we landed on Oklahoma city. So, uh,
0: <laughs> not quite as, you know, like, like people do when they're trying right. to find a move. Exactly. exactly.
1: You just moved to the Midwest. Um, <laughs> Which sounded crazy, and I, it took a little bit of convincing on my part, and i I kind of had to talk about I, like when I was trying to convince my husband Eric to do this, I kind of couldn't believe the words were coming out of my mouth because <laughs> i it was just yeah. strange like here are the reasons why, but we just knew that we needed like we needed to focus on our creative endeavors, and the only way to do that was to allow us to give ourselves space um and time and we didn't have any of those things in DC. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why we did it. And we just, we didn't have jobs lined up either. It was like a total, (laughs) total getaway. (laughs) Um, we, we, Eric had one job lead. I didn't have anything. I was also eight weeks pregnant. So (laughs) there's that, um, but we packed up our little trailer and drove across country and, um, yeah, that's we ended up here, and yeah, that's how we ended up here. And I guess like, do you want me to tell you how Carrot Top Paper Shop started from that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you. Yeah, that's a lot of backstory. Um, okay, so I was pregnant with my daughter at the time, and I. Okay, so I'd always liked drawing. That was one of my creative hobbies, but I had never considered myself an artist by any means. Um, but I was looking for something specific for her nursery when we were preparing, um, to have her. And I just had this idea that like, if I have a girl, one of my favorite things or uh, one of the things that I was most looking forward to about having a girl was being able to share all of my favorite books with her that I grew up reading, like Anne of Green Gables and um, all my favorite classics, Jane Eyre, Pride and Prejudice. So I wanted to have pictures of uh, literary heroines in her room, in her nursery, and I just thought that something like that would exist, like if I just looked mm-hmm. up nursery decor, but everything was like woodland animals or... Um, whatever I don't know, whatever trends were going on and I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I just created my own um, banner for her room and just drew portraits of each character that I wanted her to know about. Um, and... It was really fun, and I got some feedback from other moms or other women my age who were excited about having girls for the same reason, Um, and they were passionate about sharing these uh, favorite books uh, and classic works of literature with their daughters, so... I just kind of took a leap and started a business and put myself up on Etsy (laughs) and crossed my fingers. Basically, I didn't know what I was doing really. Um, I later, I got a business coach, but at the time I, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing and was kind of winging it. I had, a basic idea of what I wanted to do. But, um, it wasn't until I started getting some interest, um, in my work that I realized like, okay, I'm really doing this and I need to make this work somehow. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. So when you guys moved back here, um, did you ever go back and work for anyone else or was it like you came back and that kind of fell into this and have just like run with it?
1: Yeah, I I didn't have a full time job. I subbed for a little bit. I was a substitute teacher um, at the academy for a little while, and uh, but that was about it. I wasn't. I knew I wanted to work from home once we had uh, our daughter, but again, I didn't know what that would look like. So we were kind of our fallback plan was just that Eric would get a good job and that the economy in Oklahoma would be able to allow us to live on one income, um, for until I could figure out what I wanted to do. So, um, I started my business when Violet was seven months old. So there was a period when I was just trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do. And, um,
0: yeah, living off of one income, that was fun. (laughs) Well, just one of the nice things about Oklahoma city that it actually is possible to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Without feeling like completely stressed out. <laughs> right. You're just like a little bit stressed out.
1: <laughs> right. All right. You had a little stress. There's nothing like DC traffic stress. Yes.
0: So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so I looked on, um, I was like browsing your Facebook and the Instagram and the Etsy shop and I didn't realize like it said that you've been on Etsy since 2015. Is that, is she that old? Is that when this started or were you on Etsy yeah. before?
1: No, she was born in the spring, in April of 2015, and I started my business in November of 2015. So yeah, she's two and a half. Wow, I didn't realize she was that old. No, was oh my that crazy. That
0: is nuts. I know, I know. Uh. <laughs> uh, but that's awesome. Um, yeah, I saw like you have over three thousand sales and like over six hundred reviews. I'm like, that is so cool. Like, Dang. did it take? So, like, once that started, like, what was kind of the point at which you realized, like, hey, this could actually, like, I could actually really do this? Yeah, I would say the point, so um,
1: I had, there are a few things that I can kind of point back to and say, like, that's what made things really helpful. So, so one thing about the creative process that I... I'm not really good at is consistency and yeah. like growing up, I just had all of these different things that I was interested in and I would, I was never like forced to follow through. Like I, I would like write a play or write a kid's book or whatever, you know, yeah. just, fun when I was little and, um, I would finish some things, but, uh, I am mainly a starter, not a finisher. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) so with my business, I realized that when people are watching and not that the whole world was watching, but I had a few followers that were expecting things, Mm -hmm. um, new products and stuff like that. So I, forced myself to have, to create several product lines each year, um, and come up with a set of new products. So, um, when I first started out, I had just 10 products and I told everybody like, okay, in a few more months, I'm going to have another product line." Um, so people had something to look forward to. And I had a deadline, Mm -hmm. which, um, I wasn't used to having in my creative project. So, which is awesome because, Even when I didn't feel creative, I was forced to be creative and that was really good for me. Um, I've just learned that creativity begets creativity and when you practice it, you just automatically have to become more creative. That's just kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. So so that's kind of when things started clicking Mm -hmm. like, okay, there are people out, there's a market for this. There are people out there who are just like me and love these books as much as I do um, and want to share them with their families. So,
0: um, yeah. So with that, like, you know, this is kind of along the same lines. Have you, do you experience people being like, um, oh, you know, like that's so nice. You just get to like draw all day and, you know, (laughs) it must be just so fun to be able to like work from home and do all this. And like, does that happen to you? Sometimes, yeah, I mean, I just get mixed responses
1: when people ask what I do. It's either, they're either, if they're like an artistic or creative person at all, they're usually really interested and they want to know more. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people just are like, oh, well, that's nice. (laughs) And like, I don't, they don't really say anything else. I don't know what they're picturing. Yeah. Um, But, (laughs) but I just, I just kind of laugh at that because not everyone's made the same and I don't expect everyone to be like, that's so cool. You're living your dream. Like, so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's like some people's worst nightmare is working from home in a creative (laughs) capacity. like not knowing where your next paycheck is coming from. But that's my, that's my dream job.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it can be hard. Um, but yeah, like, so what are, what are some maybe, maybe like struggles that you've run into or things that were just kind of surprising the way it played out? Because I know there's a lot of times like, creatives can get into this mindset of like I'm just gonna like follow my passion and you know you kind of stumbled into your sort of um Mm -hmm. and and I don't know like this might not be true for you but I know like you know, for me, when I started doing photography, I was like, this is great. And people are just going to be lining up and I'll have so much business <laughs> and I'll, I'm just going to take pictures. And like, that's, that's all like, that's a whole job. Like, have you had things that you thought like, you know, it was going to go a certain way and you've come to find out like, oh, like, no, that's not exactly what it looks like or. Right. So yeah, it doesn't.
1: Yeah. My job doesn't look like exactly what I thought it would look like. It's definitely not me sitting around drawing all day. Um, I would say I definitely don't draw as much as I, a drawing is not as much of a part of my job as I thought it would be. There are mm-hmm. a lot of things about it that aren't as fun, obviously. Um, and there are things that I'm not as good at, that I've had to force myself to learn um, how to be good at because mm-hmm. it, I, I just like a growing a business is such a reflection of the creative process in general. And, um, one of the things that I heard somebody say was that like your business is basically the personification of you. Like it, it reflects all of your flaws and all of your strengths. So, which is terrifying. That's not yes. something that you always <laughs> want to come face to face with. Um, but, but yeah, some things I, Yeah. I just, when the creative process is so you have to be flexible, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be open to whatever is coming. I have, um, uh, my well, she's not really my yoga teacher. She's my my YouTube yoga instructor. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met her, but um, she said something. She said something that really resonates with me. That um, like when we're doing our yoga practice, she says, "Remember, don't decide the ending." And that just really struck me uh, for my creative process and how I do my business. Is obviously you have to have a plan. You need a business plan to succeed. But a business just doesn't happen by accident. But um, just that you don't decide the ending, that you have kind of a goal and you go toward that direction, but you also need to be flexible with other opportunities that might come up. And um, I don't know, I just... I knew I wanted to start a business. I didn't know what that would look like in five years. I guess a lot of people have a goal. Like, I want to be in retail in this many years, or I want to do this, and or I want to make this amount of money, or um, X amount of dollars. And I've never been driven by that. Like I didn't set out my business to make a certain amount of money, um, or anything like that. I just, I really wanted to have fun and I wanted to make people happy with my artwork. So, um, yeah, I just want to make people feel good. And when I, when that's my focus, um, it kind of makes the stuff that's really boring, like finances and taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes it, uh, there's just more of a purpose to that. So Mm -hmm. everything I do in my business Um, actually feels a lot more fun than it should be just because um, that's my goal to have to have fun and see where this crazy creative
0: journey takes me yeah that's awesome Um, so kind of along the lines of you know things maybe not looking exactly the way you thought that they would um, what does like what is like a typical week look like for you like how, you know, cause you said like you're, you're definitely not drawing like as much as you thought you would be. So like how much of your time is actually drawing and then like, what else are you doing?
1: Right. Okay. (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) Um, so my week always revolves around whatever creative project is at the top of my list. So in my business, that's, um, my, I have my product line that I come up with every three or four months. So that's always on the horizon. And the closer I am to that date, the more I am drawing and the more, um, focused I am obviously on meeting that deadline. So, um, I've gotten used to like the cycle of creating a product line. And then as soon as I'm done with that, I can, um, relax and not relax. Like I still have a lot of work to do, but, um, just kind of give myself a mental break in the creative process and just let myself kind of enjoy what I've created and then, um, immediately start brainstorming, uh, for my next product line, um, so it goes in kind of ebbs and flows of, um, working towards that product line and then kind of the decline, um, or just enjoying the product line, shipping mm-hmm. it out and then starting to work on the next one. So, um, so that's always, so I know what my goal is for the week, um, and then I structure each day based on what needs to, what I need to do to make that goal happen. So. I'm not really a routine person naturally, but I do really well with structure. Um, and having a daughter really helps with that because she has to have a structure, Mm uh, through her day. So I know like she gets up at eight o'clock usually. Um, and then she has an afternoon nap. So I have to get up before her, um, which I obviously would, um, anyway, but it's, I just I love knowing like the earlier I get up, I'll have this many hours. like if I get up at mm-hmm. six, I'll have two hours to um, plan my day, exercise, drink my coffee, or whatever, um, just feel like I can become mentally ready to prepare the day before I have to get her up and feed her and all that. Um, and then I decide what I can do while she's awake and what I have to do while she's asleep. So, which actually real, is a really good way to organize your day. <laughs> like, okay, I can answer emails while she's eating breakfast, but I have to pack orders while she's asleep. Like, mm-hmm. There's no way I can do that when she's awake. Mm-hmm. Um, so my day has structure to it, but then it, there's also a lot of flexibility because um, I'm working on other or projects to meet my, my self-imposed deadlines for my next product line. And uh, things like that. And then other, um, I'll have, I usually have another project going on that's related to my work, um, an illustration project or something like that, that I'm working on
0: for, um, a client or something. So do you, ha- so do you do like, um, what's the word that like commissions like, yeah, Sometimes I don't have as much time for them anymore, but,
1: um, like I've, I've designed, I do occasionally, um, I've designed a bookmark for somebody to sell in their shop, um, that kind of a thing. So, um, I'm also working on an illustration project for a book that comes out next year. Um, that is kind of top secret. I don't know how much I can say about it. I think that's about it, but, um, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's another, another project that obviously takes priority.
0: Awesome. Okay. So uh, you kind of briefly mentioned this earlier, and I'm very interested to know about this. So you said something about hiring a business coach. Uh, so, like, what led to that decision? I basically started
1: Googling how to not fail on Etsy <laughs> because <laughs> I was terrified of putting my stuff up in my shop and getting crickets and feeling like an idiot. So, um, I, there are tons of YouTube videos. Like everybody's telling you how to succeed on Etsy. Um, and anyway, that led me to a business coach who seemed really dreamy and I wasn't sure if I could trust her, but, um, I eventually did. And I, um, I basically paid for her to be my business coach. Um, And it's, I mean, it's all online. We, I've never actually met her, but, um, kind of like my yoga instructor, but, um, but anyway, (laughs) she's awesome. And I've learned so much from her. She's someone who built a business herself from scratch into like a six figure business and sold it. And she now teaches, um, or as a business coach full time. So I've learned a lot from her.
0: That's awesome. Um, have you noticed, so how, how long were you like in business before you made that decision?
1: Um, probably about five months. So I'd actually watched some of her free training before I even started on Etsy. Um, and she was the one that was talking about like, you need to have, you need to make yourself have goals and you need to have a product line, um, that people can expect. You don't just throw listings up on Etsy (laughs) and people find them type of thing, which is what I would have done. I didn't know that there was another way to do that. Mm -hmm. Basically what she says is act like a fully functioning business from day one. And that is really scary because you just feel, I mean, that's just a vulnerable thing to do. And you also feel like an imposter, like, yeah worried about, like, I just worried, like, what are my friends going to think? Not that I have very nice friends, but, um, not that people, I just worried that people would be like, what does she think she's doing? Like she worked in politics and now she mm-hmm. thinks she can open a business and which nobody's thinking that that's totally my own insecurity. But, um, but yeah, I, that was actually a part of, I think what made my business Successful from fairly early on was just pretending like I knew what I was doing,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That old like fake it till you make it, yeah. Which, I like, I seriously hate that saying so much, but there's a lot of truth in it, there you know. Is. Yeah, I just wish there was a better way to say it because I'm like, Ugh, I hate that. Like, I hate the idea of like people being fake about stuff and like not, but that's not what it means. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think it, fake it just means, like, you're going to feel like you're faking right. it. It doesn't mean, like, I wasn't doing anything, like, everything I was doing was legal and just, Right. You know, right, right. when business starts. But I felt so weird because I had never done anything like it before. Yeah. But uh, people aren't watching you as closely as you think. That's what I've... That's what I've learned in the beginning. of...
0: Yeah, but that's <laughs> Nobody a hard cares. thing to realize because you're like, oh my god, like if I do this, then people are gonna think this, and they're gonna see this, and and you're like, no one, no one's, no one's paying that close of attention. Like, right? Exactly. They just like the <laughs> stuff that you put out there, and that's about the extent of it.
1: Right. yeah, which is good.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think I want anyone really like paying that close attention to me. I'm like, right. oh god. <laughs> um. Okay. So you said you're not really a routines person, but you do like incorporate structure into your days and your business because, you know, really, I don't know that anyone can get anything done without some sort of structure. Um, and you have a business coach. So are you still working with that coach or was that like a, uh, a limited time? Yeah, it's kind of
1: set up to where you, um, she has like a course basically that you take. So I've done the course, um, and now I'm just implementing it and just getting better and more familiar with, um, how to do things. So it's an ongoing support system. It's a lifetime membership. Um, I I have her anytime I have questions, um, and I can talk to all the other people that have her as a business coach too. Mm-hmm. So it's just so right now it's just it's more serves as a support system, but it's
0: totally yeah priceless. Yeah, yeah, that that type of stuff is really really amazing, and I think underrated because <laughs> it can be scary when you're like. Be, it can it can be a pretty sizable um, investment, and uh, and it's like, well, I don't know this person in real life, and they're just on the internet. And what if this doesn't work? And like, I don't know, right? But it it's you know, in my experience, has been like you get as much as you're willing to put in, and so people have, right. yeah, people have amazing information, and if you're willing to follow it and do what they say, then you'll probably find success. And if not, well, then you probably just wasted all your money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It is what, yeah. Yeah.
1: You reap what you sow, I guess. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. Cause a lot of people, I mean, not everyone who signs up to have a business coach has a successful business. I mean, it's not like a a magic formula. Like, oh, that's what I was missing. I just Mm -hmm. had to do dot, dot, dot. Um, But, but in some ways it is, there is a lot of like, oh, that's what I was missing type of thing. Because if you don't have a business background, um, especially for like someone like me who was, I just have a creative brain and, um, yeah, I needed to, I needed to be taught those things. But once you get the basics of it down, um, it's really fun to apply your creativity to that side of things. Like there are rules of marketing and branding, but you, Um, they are, they can be stretched. They're a little bit flexible Mm -hmm. and they're totally, you know, you can cater
0: them to your own style of how you like to do business. Yeah. Which is really awesome. And also really scary. (laughs) Sometimes I just want to be like, someone just tell me exactly what to do and have it work for everyone. You no, know, it's like the theme of works? the creative life. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Scary. Like, I want to be super creative, but like, just tell me exactly what to do. Right. Which is not <laughs> creative. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> what are three practical things that you feel like are vital to success? And that can be like business advice or like life advice or okay. both. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, so one thing that comes to mind would definitely be, be in the habit of getting out of your comfort zone. Um, which again is a scary part of the creative process, but again, like, so it goes back to me, you know, calling myself an artist and a business owner, two things that i had never really had the courage to say. Um, but you have to start, you have to start there. Um, but just, even in my drawing, like there are so many times, there are times where I'll just think like, okay, I have, I envision this for my next product, and but I have no idea where to go from there. Like I don't know um, how to find suppliers to make this product happen, or uh, I'm not even sure I can draw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but just putting, like it's scary. And but once you just start, you get in the habit of doing things that are out of your comfort zone that don't come naturally to you, I just find that it's really addicting after a while because you start realizing that that's where the good stuff is. Like that's where the growth is. Um, and some of my best outcomes have been because I started out being like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so that's a, that's a practical thing that comes to mind that, um, yeah, that might not come naturally, but is always super rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Um, so, okay. So I would also say being constantly aware of my motives is really important for me. Um, because so the creative business thing, like it's, it's not always predictable. Um, and you, you, you're gonna. people are going to ask you to do things and or they're going to say, like, hey, let's collaborate on this and you have to, you can't say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. So I just find that in order to maintain my integrity and in how I want to run my business, like I have to, and to just develop consistency, I have to ask myself, like, why am I saying yes to this person and no to this person? And, or why am I posting this on social media? Like every little thing I just, I really find that I need to ask myself why, Um, or else you could just get on a rabbit trail and end up someplace that you never thought you would be at and a place that you never even wanted your career to go. Um, So that's something that I I kind of force myself to do, even when it sounds silly, like posting something on social media, like, well, how could my motives be Mm -hmm. wrong? (laughs) But... But just asking yourself, like, why do people, why do you think people should care about this? Um, What story am I telling? Like, what am I telling people about my business when I say this type of thing? Okay, so that was two. Let's see. Um, (laughs) My third practical thing would probably be to, um, to make, to use your creative gifts to benefit your family and friends. So, for instance, I work primarily with my customers. Obviously that's how my business works. Um, but I just find that I am more fulfilled, not more, my job is fulfilling and I love working for the people that, um, purchase from my shop. Um, but I really like to use my creative talents to, um, like draw personalized things for family and friends. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like involve your family and friends in what you love to do and let them know that, um, that what you do is also inspired by them. Like Mm -hmm. for instance, like my husband, um, is a photographer, on the side, and has always loved like videography and stuff. And he'll just bring his camera to like family events that aren't like that special. They're just like we're getting together for dinner or whatever, and he'll take pictures or like put together like a little short video of uh, of us just hanging out together. Um, and I really love that. And people like that you knowing that you haven't forgotten about them, you know, like however successful you may be, like you always want to use those things to like bless your family and friends. So like, I love like drawing birthday cards for my friends and family and, um, drawing like a personal portrait of my mom for her birthday or whatever, and, or of the grandkids, um, and things like that. And I just feel like it goes a long way in just, solidifying your own identity telling yourself like this is why I do what I do um and it makes other people feel like I mean other people like to be involved in in what you're doing in a way that feels more personalized I
0: think Mm -hmm. in um talking about that it made me think about um like getting started and you know because for you like you kind of started down your path like towards politics and then that switched and went Into like the corporate direction, and then that that kind of switch. Like, was there was there a process that you had to go through that was like almost like having to give yourself permission to? I don't know. We've touched on this a little bit, but like to to keep following this and to be like, okay, um, it's okay to not want to pursue like the nine to five or being in an office. Um, mm-hmm. was was that like a, a a process or were were you just like yes, yes i'm so ready for this no it was definitely a
1: process and i had a lot of t- my husband and i would have a lot of talks about this because um we were both or we were both knew that we were creative people at heart and when you tell people like i really you know the ni- i'm not cut out for the 9 to 5 like family or friends or whatever like you just get mixed reactions and some people are like well that's, I mean, you don't really have a choice. Like that's what we all have to do. So, and it, and we would just say like, well, yeah, but it's not, I'm not going to just like quit my job and like sit around all day and be like, well, the nine to five isn't for me. So (laughs) like I was still going to be a responsible adult and find a way to pay the bills, but I needed to be honest with myself and say, like, this is not what I'm passionate about. I'm not passionate about working for somebody else. That's really essentially what it came down to. So, um, yeah, but but then again, it's like, how do you make that leap? You don't just quit your job unless you have a great idea and you really believe in it, but I'm not that kind of a risk taker. So I needed something to be somewhat promising before I could just leap into it. Um, but yeah, I never, I still never, I knew I was a creative, but I never would have been like, well, I'm an artist, so I'm gonna start illustrating and painting. Like that, that was definitely something I just had to own and decide. I wasn't gonna shy away from
0: saying that out loud anymore. <laughs> That's hard to do. That's yeah, really it hard. really
1: is. And then, and then when you start saying it, like nobody questions it. Nobody's yeah. like why do you call yourself that? Like, I mean, if you just
0: go with it, of course. Yeah. No, I, I totally. And I think most creatives do get that. Like once you land on that kind of like title, it's like, Oh, but I don't want to say it. I don't want to tell people that because what if, you know, what if they're not, what if they judge me and they're like, no, you're not. And it's hard.
1: it is. I think the real fear though is just that when you call yourself that, you realize you have to start doing it. Like if you call yeah. yourself a writer, like okay, then I need to write every day. Like if I'm an artist, I need to draw even when I don't
0: feel mm-hmm. like it. And that for me that was the scarier part, I think deep down inside. Yeah. And that that part where you said like, you know, even when you don't feel like it. I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot and people kind of have a tendency to look at um you know, the creative world and people who do these things and they just think like, oh, you just love it all the time. And that's why you do it because it's right. like, it always like, it's your passion and you're always excited about it. And it's like, well, no, right. not always. Like you don't yeah. always want to do this. But when you decide that it's going to be your, your business and your job, like then it's, then it becomes a job. Like, and it's not nine to five because you're not, you know, going to punch in for someone else, but it's still you know like on the clock or Mm. it still counts for something um how so you know how have when you switch from you know like you're going to an office um to like my home is my office Uh. has there (laughs) been any kind of struggle around like um setting boundaries or do you feel like you've kind of always had like a pretty good balance of like okay I'm working and now I'm not and like you know, uh, this is family time and this is work time. Yeah, I don't feel like there's a lot
1: of balance. I feel like, which is horrible. No, but in a good way. Like I feel like I, my job. I love my job so much that it's kind of morphs into everything. Like, and mm-hmm. I would definitely make time. Like I, I'll set specific out. Like in the evenings, um, I I just try to turn off the work switch and. I make dinner and spend time with my family and um, I try not to do a lot of social media on the weekends and that kind of stuff. So I do set boundaries for sure. But um, especially since Eric works from home most of the time too, it's both of us with our daughter all day and she knows that we're working and we're not, I mean, you know, our house is tiny. We're all like in close proximity to each Mm -hmm. other all day. Mm -hmm. And it's more of a a tag team effort between Eric and I, like um, if I'm playing with Violet or whatever, then he's working for a while and then we'll switch and I'll get concentrated hours to do what I need to do. And, um, so yeah, there's a, okay. So I guess there, there is a balance, but this in the same, at the same time, it kind of just morphs into who you are, but that's part of what makes it a dream job is that it doesn't feel like work. I mean, um, yeah, that, that all of it is enjoyable and it just becomes a part of your everyday life.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad that you like <laughs> found that, you know, cuz I remember what we realized we've known each other for 20 years. <laughs> so, oh my god. What? So, you know, but I remember getting like um birthday cards or just like little notes and like I I know like our families used to like send letters back and forth and I remember that you always had like a little drawing on it um and you would like <laughs> make the birthday cards and you know, the, which is really cool to see like something like that play out over someone's life, um, you know, over many, many years and to finally like get to a place where you're like, this is my business and this is what I'm doing. And it's, it's really cool. And I love huh. anytime someone that I know goes into any kind of creative thing, I'm like, yes, another person, <laughs> <laughs> like, and like someone else who gets it. And like, I have a really close friend who, um, is a painter and, she was my last um, podcast episode that I had up, and it's just awesome to, like, have that person in life that you can just be like, you get it. Like, this is hard, and it's yes. awesome, yeah. but it's hard. <laughs> and to it, talk it, about taxes, and, like, she taught me, like, how to apply <laughs> for my LLC, and, like, huh? it's, like, all this crazy <laughs> stuff. You're like, what? These are things that I have to do? Like, I, I've always just worked for someone that took care of it. <laughs> like, No. Gosh. I know. Yeah, but, yeah. Have there been people, like, that you met, maybe, like, through blogging or through the shop or whatever, that you're, like, you know, now you have these new friends, or has it been, like... No, I've made so many friends through... It's just, it's
1: interesting, whenever you, like, the more niche you are in your market, like, the more people come out of the woodwork that are, like, oh, my word, I'm obsessed with that, too. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, my shop... And... Yeah. And some people just don't get it. Like when I tell people like, yeah, I have a shop that's like, I, it's named after Anne Shirley and like Anne of Gables. People are just like, what? Like, why would you <laughs> like, there are enough people who love that. But um, yeah, I mean, there's like a cult following behind the author, Lucy Maud Montgomery, who wrote that book. And she wrote 20 novels, and a lot of people Whoa. think she just wrote Anne, yeah, um, but a lot of people have, like, read every single one of her books, and when they find out that you love them, too, it's just, like, your instant best friends, mm-hmm. and you never part ways, so I feel like everyone who's come in contact with my shop, and they see that part of it, like, they're just like, oh, well, I found my people, so I'm gonna stay here and talk about books all day, and, um, yeah, so... It's been, yeah, I've I've met a lot of people and other people who have um, also kind of an Anne of Green Gables or a literary niche, which is weird. Like I met, um, this is kind of a funny story, but I came across a book on Amazon called Anne of Green Gables, My Daughter and Me. And it's a memoir that's about adoption. As, wow. I don't know how much, how familiar you are with Anne of Green Gables, but Anne was yeah. adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so anyway, I... My first thought when I saw that, this was really early on in my business, but I just saw that book and I got like this really like possessive feeling of like, no, and of Green Gables is my job. <laughs> and I was just, I was kind of mad about it. Like, no, that's my niche. And I realized I was kind of dumb. So I ordered the book and I read it and like just fell in love with the author and, um, contacted her and was just like, Hey, I just want to tell you like how much I love your work. And, um, I'm so glad that we both love Anne and like, we are now like really good online friends. And I've told her this story. I told her, I confessed to her
0: that I was mad at her. <laughs> you like, I didn't like you at <laughs> first.
1: I didn't think we'd ever be friends. Um, but I've just realized that's kind of like when you, yeah, that's happened a lot. Like when people do things that feel really close to what I do and my first reaction is like, what? But, um, it, that's stupid. I, I've just learned that you have to read. Out to that, like, if you have that feeling, it means you need to reach out to them and tell them that you love what they do, and it usually results in them being like, "I love what you do too," and then you can support each other, and um,
0: yeah, it's always it always ends well. <laughs> yeah, no one's ever <laughs> mad about getting a compliment, right? Right? <laughs> They're like, "You jerk, get away from me!" <laughs> but that's really great though, because I know, like, I've had you know um, so many people pop up and they're like I'm a photographer now and part of me is just like one more person <laughs> yeah I'm like great another one but <laughs> then you know it turns out that they're like really good and I'm like excited for them and like yeah. you said, yeah. Like it, it always works out once you just reach out and you're like, "Hey, I love what you do," and then they're like, "Oh my gosh, thanks, you too," and then you can make new friends, right? <laughs> like-
1: yeah, you can inspire each other and push each other, yeah, out of your comfort
0: zone. Yeah. What do you feel like is the best advice you've ever been given? Um, and we'll say like geared towards um, business or creativity.
1: Okay. Um, One of the first things that comes to mind is a quote that I think I don't know who to attribute it to. I think I just heard it on a podcast once and I wrote it down and I hung it on my wall and I love it. So it's create art that isn't for everyone. And I really, really connected with that because for one, my art is super niche, um, but also if you try to please everybody, you aren't going to please anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important to me. Just realizing that creativity um is obviously oftentimes very inclusive, but also um in a lot of ways, whenever you decide to do something, it excludes a certain group. For instance, like my group is focused on female bookworms. So I don't really do anything for boys and Mm. I, I, that's okay. And I like, that's part of my thing is that's part of what connects people to Mm -hmm. my shop. Like, Oh, this girl gets me. Um, so, and that's what I want people to feel. And I would not be able to cater to, um, inspiring little boys with literature that they might love, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's just not as close to my heart. So, that just gave me a lot of freedom to realize that it's okay to not please everybody and Mm -hmm. do your own thing and know that it's going to isolate some people and that's okay. Like you're, you're not trying to get every single person on the planet to like what you do.
0: Yeah. That, that that's just an awesome call out. And I don't know if this is who you heard it from, but I've heard um, Seth Godin say that.
1: Like oh, almost exactly. Okay, then it probably was. Let's just say Seth Godin because I <laughs> yeah. listened to his pod. Yeah, it's his podcast
0: yeah. times. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I he, and he was talking about you know like I I don't write to please everyone because if I did that I wouldn't like what I write. Like yes, it's like I okay. write to make me happy. Like, right. Well, it's awesome and it felt it's it, it felt so liberating. I was like, well, if Seth mm. Godin said that, like <laughs> then I can do that too. Because yeah. I know there is, like, for a lot of people this strong, you have, like, this desire to, like, please everyone. And you're like, well, the more people, the better. And, like, that's not actually right. true. No. And it's it's a hard thing to realize that that's not true. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really awesome. Um, what are some resources um, that you, like, have come across in your business and creativity that you feel, like, are totally invaluable to you and how, like, you've set your business up. And that can be, like, um, I mean, obviously, like, you're very inspired by books, um, but it could be, like, a a tool you use to, like, help run your business or um, something that's just, like, inspiring or podcasts that you listen to or whatever.
1: Okay. So, obviously, the first thing that came to mind were books. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the more general answer is that I – I feel like it's been most helpful to me to f- to spend time focused on interests that might not be trendy right now or that might not seem like other people care about. Like for instance, I majored in history. I still love history and I um I love listening to like historical like podcasts that focus on um just talking about events in history and um I just feel like whenever you you know what you love and you know what you believe, um, you can express yourself better. And if you don't know, if you don't know who you are and you forget who you are, like you just focus on, um, like the books that everybody's reading right now, rather than like for me, it's reading a book by Lucy Mont Montgomery, like at all times, like I'm basically always reading one of her books and, um it just helps me connect to who i am who i was as a child um just the ideals that i have um and how i see the world and it just kind of reinforces those things about me um that help me be more authentic in the way i tell my story and the way i share my business um so i could name specific books um I especially, I don't know, like Mystery and Manners by Flannery O'Connor. It's more of a book on writing. She's one of my favorite short story authors, but, um, her book, um, Life and Letters by Brett Law. Uh, I'm also just a big fan of memoirs, like mm-hmm. especially about, um, women in history or just people that you've never heard of that have done really cool things under horrible circumstances. And, um, So, yeah, that's just kind of a long-winded answer to say, I just feel like the more you solidify who you are and um, what you enjoy, the more authentic you can be and, um, yeah, and sharing who you are creatively.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That kind of, you know, goes back to talking about feeling like you have to please everyone and... It's it's easy to get caught up in that stuff and kind of get swept away in what everyone else is doing and reading and watching and listening to and all that stuff. But, you know, it's like the thing that made you want to do this in the first place, why would you not hold on to that? But right. it's easy to get kind of swept away from it. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a really good call out. You know, are there days that – do you have any days that you feel like you're just done with it, like you want to quit, like it's hard – it's over or is it, or is it all more like, you know, a continual, like, yes, this is exactly what I should be doing.
1: That's a good question because I feel like it's kind of complicated. Like Mm -hmm. I, I've never once thought about quitting this job. I've never thought like, maybe this isn't for me, but I frequently have thoughts that are like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like And I just kind of freak myself out. Like, Mm -hmm. what have I gotten myself into? Like, how can I sustain this? Uh, Like, what if my next idea is a big flop? Like, all those insecurities um, are definitely there. So, which kind of doesn't make sense because if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, then I should probably also believe that it's all going to work out just (laughs) yeah. But, (laughs) um, so yeah, it's easy for me to think, to believe that I'm in, I'm where I need to be creatively that this is what I'm passionate about. But, um, yeah, wondering if, if it will all just go downhill or, you know, like, am I doing enough kind of thing? Like mm-hmm. what else am I doing? And, um, which is also a great way to get distracted and lose track of your, what you are supposed to be doing anyway. So, <laughs> um, it's kind of like a, a downward spiral. So I try not to, I try not to, yeah, whenever that, whenever those thoughts come up, I, I, it usually means, like, I'm avoiding some really practical thing that I need to be doing, like, figuring out taxes or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's all too much. Yes. Yeah, like, oh, actually, it's just because I hate doing my taxes. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. That's it's good to recognize when you're like, oh, no, it's really just I'm avoiding this one thing. And yeah. once I do that, I'll feel better. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it took a while, but I finally kind of caught on to, yeah, my patterns, my thought patterns.
0: (laughs) That's totally how I feel about um, creating an email list. And I'm Uh like... Uh like maybe I'll just I should just quit. I'm just going to go get a 9 to 5. Like I literally think this like every other day and then I'm like oh I, my just, word. I just need to finish making my opt-ins and like write some emails and then I'll be fine. And, like yeah. And it won't you stress too. me out so
1: much. I
0: didn't mention that earlier but that is one of the things
1: that has made my business successful is having an email list. I am like a firm believer in having an email list. It is so helpful. It helps you. It's like I send out a newsletter every week and every week it just helps me refocus and remember. Yeah. Like it's just it's just a continual reminder of why you do what you do and why you love the people that you work work for. Like I just see myself as somebody who makes things for other people and for people who love literature more than I do oftentimes yeah. and um, I'm working for them. So just that reminder is,
0: is really helpful every week. Yeah. Well, this is good. I'm a little kick in the pants for me to get, to get on it. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we have reached the end of the amount of time that I'm going to make you stay on here. (laughs) So again, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome.